Howdy, and uh, welcome to the Farm Journal. It's a, a special version of uh, Farm Aid uh, from our Saturday Night Nocturnal Journal show. Uh, we went up to Farm Aid at Alpine Valley um, in East Troy, Wisconsin. So the next two hours, we're going to have interviews from Farm Aid with farmers, advocates, a couple artists. Um, Mike Heideman, how are you? Hey, what's going on, Dave? Great to see you. This is the first time we've worked together. <laughs> no, I know. It's uh, I've been. I know your reputation. It precedes <laughs> you, and I'm, I'm, it's going to be a joy to work with you tonight. I know you're a music guy, so mm-hmm. it'll be great. Great to talk about this. Um, ta- we'll, we'll get to this later. But Tanya Tucker was probably the, the best interview we did. Oh, you're a country she, legend. Yeah, she was, and she was just. She's got a new record out, but she was. Uh, she was quite exciting, qu- quite fun. So. Um, this was the second time uh, Farm Aid had been in Wisconsin, and uh, you know, with the dairy industry up there, it was an appropriate place, uh, East Troy. Uh, overall, farm income is about a half of what it was six years ago, and uh, a lot of a lot of dairy farmers over the past two years, uh, one thousand two hundred of the state's dairy farms have uh, stopped milking cows. So, it was uh, it was poignant. We talked to a lot of farmers there. Um, they have a, had a crowd. I don't know if the promoters want to say it, but it was about 35, 36,000 people. There were a lot of people there. It was a sellout, which was good. Uh, Farm Aid, I've, uh, I've been to, that was my 11th, and um, they've done 32 concerts in 34 years, and they've done such a tremendous job of, uh, of advocacy for, for the farmer. Um, so we're going to play some segments uh, that we captured up there at Farm Aid. And um, our first segment is going to be uh, with Jen Fahey, the Farm Aid Director of Communications. And she was on the show uh, a couple weeks ago when we did a little preview, and she'll introduce everybody. This is the beginning of the day. We, you know, we'll hear from Willie, Dave, and some of the other board members, and we'll talk about them uh, as we go through it, okay? I'm Jennifer Fahey, Farm Aid's Communications Director, and I am honored to be on stage with these incredible humans, artists and farmers and artists behind me as well. Joining us today is Farm Aid President Willie Nelson. Hello. John Mellencamp. Neil Young. Dave Matthews, and Farm Aid's Executive Director for 34 years, Carolyn Mugar. You know, the best way to kick off a Farm Aid event is, of course, with Mr. Willie Nelson. Willie, would you mind giving us a warm Farm Aid welcome, please? Well, first of all, I'm glad to see us all here today here in uh, Dairyland where I think uh, a lot of help is needed and we're glad to be here to offer our support in any way we can to all the dairy farmers out there. And uh, we're going to have a good day. Thank you all for being with us. Thank you, Willie. On the road in, I hope you noticed the farms you passed, and later, if you're up on the beautiful lawn, you might see a silo over on this side. 
And it's a great reminder that we're here in the middle of farm country. It's exactly where farm aid should be. We don't often get this opportunity to bring our farm aid music right to farm country. But this year, as farmers face the challenges they face, this is the perfect place for us to be. We're very pleased that the media has covered what is happening in farm country really well this year. They've given so much attention to the current farm economic crisis, highlighting the multiple factors from corporate consolidation to bad farm policies to weather extremes and disasters that have made it really hard for farm families to make a living on the land. Farm income right now is about half what it was in 2013, and it's been a long time since then. Farmers have long been struggling now with low prices. Family farm agriculture is at risk. In 2018, the number of farms fell to its lowest ever, at just about 2 million. And yet there are nearly 330 million of us here who eat. The reasons for the com uh, crisis are complex, and we've created opportunities here at the show that we hope you will engage with throughout the day. You can dig into interactive exhibits in the Homegrown Village. You can hear from farmers and artists again on the farmyard stage that's up in um, past the lawn in our Homegrown Village. And um, we hope you'll have conversations with farmers and advocates all over this beautiful venue. This morning, though, we want to look at the crisis in a different way, from a place of strength and determination. We'll highlight farmers and farm advocates who will help you understand how, despite challenges and uncertainties, so many farm families have stayed on the land for generations and they continue to see a future in agriculture. The farmers on this stage today represent so many farmers across the country who give us reasons for hope. Willie, you've always recognized the resilience of farm families and you built FarmAid as an organization that reflects their voices. Why do you think listening to farmers is so important? Well, these are the folks who uh, feed us, the people who bring us our good food, and uh, we need them, and uh, we need to let them know how much we need them. And if we can help them any way, that's, that's why we're here. So yes, we need to help the dairy farmers, we need to help all farmers in the land, because this is, what, 34 years we've been doing this? But who's counting, you know? You know, I was, uh, Michael, I was driving up there, and uh, with WGN, I was, I was thinking about Orion Samuelson. I was driving up there. Very fitting. Yeah, and you know, there's a, um, such a, I don't come from an agricultural background. Well, my, you know, my dad worked in the stockyards. Uh, you know, that's, he came up to the stockyards and worked for Swift and Company. But there's such a connection spiritually and emotionally with, with food and the land, and it's something that really, really never goes away. And that's what Dave Matthews talked about next at the Farm Aid press conference. I, I get emotional and then I think of things that make me emotional. And uh, I remember when I was a kid and my father, my father was ill and eventually uh, he died from his illness. Um, I remember after he died, my mom started gardening, almost like a crazy person. Um, she's just in, she was just outside digging and planting and uh, but in a few days, it started to look like she was sort of magical. And she just said it helped her heal being, connecting herself to the earth. Um, and she still gardens, not as much now, but um, she's getting on, but she, uh, uh, she still feels a real connection to the earth and she still grows veggies and stuff in her garden. 
What I mean to say is when I, when I compare the sort of over-industrialization of farming, which severs us from the earth, it makes us separate from the earth, and it turns us into part of a profit-driven machine that doesn't take into account anything but the dollar. And there's that compared with connecting ourselves to the earth because we have the great fortune of knowing, of being connected to farmers if we take the time, that those people to know that when we eat and when we pay a fair price for the food that we eat, that we're supporting people who are taking care of the earth and by doing that taking care of the future, by doing that taking care of the planet and giving us hope. And so it's a very different system. It's a system that we need to support because all we're doing is paying them what they're due if we pay them enough to survive. We're not paying them too much, we're paying them what they're due for looking after the planet. That's all. That's Farm Aid board member Dave Matthews. Um, then all the farm aids I've gone to and the history of farm aid, it's always been very, very timely. Uh, one, of the, one of the farm aids I really remember was the one after September 11th um, down by Indianapolis. And they weren't, I think it was on, I was looking at my notes uh, at home, might have been September 20th or September 21st, and they weren't sure if they were going to have it. But the, the farm aid movement always uh, connects with, with current events. So in the next segment, we're going to hear farm aid director of communications, Jen Fahey, talk about how they were composting everything uh, at at the venue on Saturday at Alpine Valley. And then John Mellencamp is going to talk about what's going on uh, in the world today. As a nod to the climate strike that happened yesterday, which we were not able to participate in since we were putting this little thing together, um, I will mention our composting program. We compost everything here. Everything that you eat today is served on materials that are compostable, and we have folks throughout the venue who will help you decide what receptacle to put your waste in, but our food and uh, serving materials are all compostable, and uh, we're going to make soil with all of you. It's just my opinion. It doesn't make it true. It's just what I think. So it doesn't make it true. It's just what I think. Uh, so after 34 years, uh, I thought I'd write something down for a change instead of just going off on a tangent. But it seems to me that this world is in motion and nature calls for diversity, diversity, diversity. Amen. So it's important to witness, to the observe and let the witness the actual problem, not the perce perception of the problem. It's important to take our minds out and simply observe what is going on around us as opposed to thinking we have an answer and giving a knee-jerk reaction. And then just to allow creativity to come. Human beings are the only ones, are the, are the only species on this earth that have the ability to be creative. It's what makes us the artist that can solve problems. The art of being able to not just react, but to observe and look at what's going on, and through creativity, the answer will come. And for me, thinking about this on the way up here, 
this is what we have to be hopeful about. It's what we can have faith in. It's what we can be grateful for right now. Our capacity for creative thought. And as a young man, I, I didn't believe in miracles. But as an old man, I do. I see what you farmers must see when you look at the dirt under your fingernails. And that's the miracle of life, the dirt under your fingernails. So thank you. That's pretty well uh, put by John Mellencamp. Um, Michael, there was no Meg Ryan in the photo pit this year. We, I, I told Ryan to keep an eye out for those uh, <laughs> celebrity partners in the, uh, in the photo pit, and, and we didn't see any. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> so it would have been a nice surprise. Um, well, who's Neil with? Neil's with um, Daryl Hannah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. And, you know, he did a book signing here. I sent my buddy Mark to the book signing. He did a book signing uh, in Logan Square here on Sunday. He's got what? a new book. Yeah, and nobody really knew about it. I think there were maybe two or 300 people there. He's always been an under-the-radar kind of guy, though. Yeah, so that's why he's probably listening to the show right now. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so um, this is great. I like working with you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, next time let me know about Neil, and then we'll just jump on over there. <laughs> so uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back uh, after the news with Lucas Nelson, Neil Young, and we're going to have some uh, sounds uh, from the Soil Sisters about how you can bring 200 women together. Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dave Hoekstra, and we got... Uh, Mike Heideman in producing, and uh, we're going to talk a little music, and uh, that's like the unofficial um, Farm Aid theme song, uh, Rain on the Scarecrow by uh, by John Mellencamp. Ryan Pollock was our producer on site um, on Saturday. I think I wore him down there, Michael. He was he was pretty haggard when we got home. <laughs> well, there's a lot of coverage, I'm sure, to take in for his first Farm Aid. You know, that, uh, I asked you before the show, you've been to Alpine, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, It takes a long, long time to get out of that parking lot. That parking lot. lot is unforgiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I dropped him off about 3 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. But I had my camper van, so we were just sitting there. Camper van's a pretty heavy Ford car, so I, Ford van, so I just like tore it across the grass and we got out of there a, a, a little you know a little earlier than some other people but it was a lot of fun anyway so ryan shot some um video of farm aid that's gonna be up uh, all week at wgnradio.com i know he posted something today this is like a slam dunk you go to a lot of concerts you know a lot of times you see people dress up at concerts who look like the act oh, yeah. i remember back in the day with the faces and rod stewart i'd always see a guy who looked like rod stewart so we ran into a guy steve muth who was dressed up just like willie nelson it was pretty funny he had all the the pigtails and the bandana and the funny thing was he's on the town board of eagle wisconsin which is right up there by uh by east troy so i know that's up there on wgnradio.com and there'll be other a lot more footage from Farm Aid on that website. Yeah, he looks just like him, too. Yeah. I, was, I thought you were interviewing the real Willie Nelson for a second. Yeah, I know. People were staring <laughs> at us. And stuff. Like, <laughs> Willie Willie came out from backstage. You know, Willie didn't have the active... I know you were talking again. Uh, he wasn't as active. You know, he's 87. I know he's had some health trouble, but he wasn't as active with this one as years past. And by that, I mean... Um, not sitting in with a lot of band, not sitting with anyone. Uh, he's always used to go out and introduce uh, the bands and different acts. Didn't do any of that, but his set at the end was good. He was he was spot on. But uh, we're playing he, music '87. I mean, come on, that's yeah. that's pretty incredible. We were talking. Uh, I was trying to think of people I had seen that old in performance, and the only person we could come up with off the top of our head was David Honeyboy Edwards. I saw him at the Hideout, maybe you know '90, 90, '91. Wow. So. 
That's a great venue to see such a classic artist. Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think, but '87, especially to be on the road. You know, Willie's Willie's on the road a lot. Same guitar too. Yeah, Trigger. Getting yeah. to see Trigger with all those holes yeah, and everything. Yeah. In it. God bless him. He's he's really done a lot for this. So in this segment, we're going to actually hear from uh, Willie's son, Lucas Nelson, who, by the way, we can talk a little bit later. Uh, just galvanized Neil Young's set. I mean, Lucas Nelson and the Promise of the Real really, really took Neil Neil out there. So we're going to hear Lucas Nelson talk about uh, family farmers and, and um, farm markets. And we got and Hmong farmers. I was really interested in uh, immigration and farmers and stuff. So we found some Hmong farmers uh, who uh, go to farmers markets in Milwaukee. And then we're going to hear from Neil Young himself. Yeah, well, I just thought we have such a good opportunity because we're out on the road all the time and doing hundreds of days a year. We might as well connect with the local farmers that are in the area wherever we go. And we've had success in that and uh, been able to connect with a lot of vendors who actually were able to come and do pop-up farmers markets sometimes at the shows themselves, which has been really cool because then you, you know, you tell the audience that's already coming to the show to bring their cooler and go and get their local produce there keep it in the car and take it home after the show and it, so it it kind of you know it kind of I just felt like uh, well, Farm Aid doesn't have to be ever you know for us it's like a reunion every year we have it's like Christmas but you know we get to see all our friends and family but it's it's a it's a year-long thing and uh, this is just the one day that we happen to uh, acknowledge what's happening it's an act of resistance for you to grow your own food because you are not Sovereign, unless you can feed yourself. So I, I gave a talk earlier um, in, during the, the program that we had earlier in the week, and we talked about land loss. And when you don't have land to grow food, you, don't, you can't carry on your culture, and you can't carry on your traditions. So everything goes back to the relationship that you have with the land. And, and in our group, we're... Uh, really doing an amazing job of uh, creating a seed bank of our traditional seeds, not just our white corn that we grow, but we have other varieties of corn, native corn, and beans and squash, so that we can uh, become more self-sufficient, so that we can change our diet, so that we can eat the food that we're intended to eat, and so that we can build up a seed bank for the future. And if we ever have to feed another nation besides our own, we want to be ready to do that. Well, I uh, congratulate you. For, for the way you feel about what you do and for the harmony that you're living in with the earth because it's the way forward and uh, it's a beautiful thing. You can tell, you don't even have to talk to you guys even though that's great. All you have to do is look at those cows, see the way they're heading out into that field. They're excited. They're happy cows. They're happy cows. You've seen the other cows. We saw them all in a line, in cages, and, and doing things according to someone's plan. But it, it's not the way it should be. And what, you, what you're describing is the key. It's the key to our survival as a, as a planet, uh, the way it is now. Uh, yeah, the planet's not going to go anywhere, but it could be really ugly after a while and inhospitable to our life forms unless we do something. So uh, even though it's really great to hear about all of the things that people are doing and the things that people do in their own life and everything uh, to make it better, I think uh, myself, 
that the solutions are, are simple and big. We need to have people representing us and we, that, that believe in the kind of things that we believe in, that we believe in sustainability. We need to have, I think we need to have legislation to make sure that all the farmers in America use sustainable practices, whether they're corporations or small farmers. If you're farming in America, or in Canada for that matter, you should follow sustainable practices and not destroy the earth. I don't know if you've seen these farms along the freeways where they plant the same thing every year, everything happens according to a plan, and then the wind comes and blows half of the dirt away. You can see it in that, you can't even see where you're going half the time because so much of the soil is in the air. And it's just because our soil is not, it's losing its richness, it's losing its life. And what you're describing every, when you say that the, the earth is covered, the earth is covered by the plants, the plants are protecting the soil and they're rebuilding the soil and the soil, the soil is really us. It's what we eat, it's what we walk on, it's what, you know, it's, it's going to keep us going or it's not going to keep us going. So what we really need is a solution at the top. Someone needs to start pushing for sustainable practices in our food supply so that we don't become just another statistic uh, in 10 or 15 or 20 years from now. Because our whole planet and everything, is, we are in such a crisis that we really need to come together. And I think the simple solutions like making guidelines for people to work under, then everybody can work under them and try to do the right thing the way they want to do it on their own land, but in a sustainable way. We can't constantly be dumping chemicals on every plant that we plant and hoping that it won't do any damage because it's not working. It just doesn't work. We're going backwards and you can see it. So I hope next year that we do go backwards and reverse the trend here in Wisconsin and next year we have a little bit more dairy farms than we had last year. That's uh, Neil Young at Alpine Valley last uh, Saturday uh, at the press conference that, that set up the whole uh, set up the whole show. Again, I've been to a few of these, Michael, and um, Neil was very mellow this year. He usually is ranting about something. He's usually angry about something. He mm -hmm. was just very soft spoken and uh, very very articulate. It was very refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he needed a break from all that ranting yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was nice. So uh, after the break, we're going to have a couple more uh, segments. Uh, we're going to have the Soil Sisters about how they can bring uh, over 200 women together. So there'll be more on WGN AM 720. Welcome back. Uh, it's Dave Hoekstra with uh, Mike Heidemann. Good call there. Good call. The trouble with that is I could just start listening to that for a while and drift off. <laughs> So good. This is when really Willie used to really belt it out too. Yeah, yeah. He's gosh, he's you know he's still prolific. You know he's like mm -hmm. putting out a record every six months and stuff. God bless him. So here we're going to hear uh, from farmer Sarah Floyd, and we'll hear a little bit more from Jen Fahey, the Farm Aid Director of Communications, and one of my favorites, the Soil Sisters. Dairy farming is an economic engine for Wisconsin and is essential to the culture of this state. Agriculture contributes $88 billion each year to the state's economy, and almost half of that comes from dairy. 
Dairy farmers across the country are laboring right now under extreme pressure, earning less for a gallon of milk than it costs them to produce it. Since 1973, we've lost a staggering 93% of this country's dairy producers. In the past decade, Wisconsin alone has lost nearly one-fifth of all of its farms. Faced with the possibility of extinction, a group of determined dairy farmers, starting in Wisconsin, but now from all over the country, are working together to activate communities, build power, and propose solutions to fix a broken system. At the same time, a resolute group of entrepreneurial women have come together to counter the prevailing narrative that rural America is dying. Let's take a look at their journeys. The problem of overproduction is a problem that we've all fallen into. The system has pushed us to produce more and more and more just to keep our heads above water. The average eater isn't connected to the farm and doesn't realize these things. And when dairies go under, it doesn't affect the milk they're pulling from the shelves. We as a society have devalued food and cheaper is better and bigger is better. And that is not sustainable. Industrialization of agriculture has really changed the way we treat the land. More farmers on the land, that's better for our communities, it's better for our environment, it's better for our families, it's better for everything. As farmers, we produce more milk than the market needs or wants. When there's plenty of something, you pay less for it. When there's less of something, you pay more for it. It's a capitalism in its truest form, and right now we've put ourselves in a bad position. The real way to short-circuit that is to come together and demand that we do something about it and we manage our supply to actually meet the demand. Dairy Together came together because we were talking with people across the country and knew that farmers were going out of business because they weren't getting paid a high enough price. We knew we needed to do something and we wanted to make sure we could get as many people to the table as possible. It's about not getting paid a fair price. I mean, the answer seems pretty easy. We're calling for supply management because we know that the only real way for us to get our prices to come up is for all of us to work together. If we all work together, we'll all benefit together. We started meeting as a group of area women, farmers, gardeners, women committed to our rural areas about 10 years ago. And that has grown to a group of over 225 women. This is a group that for 10 years we've been working on educating the public, on moving our legislature, on going to D.C. to talk about water quality. We've done a lot of political things together. We have a very collaborative approach to education and our approach here defies traditional business models. Why would you share with somebody exactly how you're running your business so they can basically do the same thing? But that's how we succeed. I traveled with Wisconsin Farmers Union out to New York. It was pushing for supply management and um, challenging their management to, to do something. I saw that this wasn't a Wisconsin problem. Mm -hmm. This is everywhere. So the more we can come together, the better chance of success we'll have. Changing the system takes time and patience, whether it's through protesting or writing really good policy. By whatever means, we need to keep pushing the status quo, uniting our voices so that we can amplify each other and start talking about these things to our politicians. We know that we need to 
be in collaboration and be allies with many groups that fan across the political spectrum, that fan across you know, how people look at the way the economy works. And the common interest is the survival of the family farm. Please welcome from Dairy Together, Sarah Lloyd. Sarah, so many of us have been inspired by the efforts of uh, Wisconsin Farmers Union to bring dairy farmers together all around the country. What gives you hope that the system can change and make it possible for family dairies to thrive once again? Yeah, thanks for that question. My husband and I dairy farm and we're going broke like lots of dairy farmers, but the Dairy Together campaign is about pulling together and we're building a farmer-led movement, but we need all hands on deck. We need eaters, everybody an eater out there. We need you. Uh, we need you to demand fair prices from your side. We need our cooperatives to come back into power with their farmer members. We need the retailers. We need everybody. So this will be good. We can get a fair price for farmers. We'll see our communities thriving. And we know that we're moving the needle. We've been working on this campaign for two years, and we're definitely moving the needle on getting real solutions. Wanted to ask you a quick question, because it sounds like we have a motivated audience. What is the one best thing that everyone here today can do to help dairy farmers push these solutions through? We need the federal government to take action in the dairy pricing. So please do call your representatives in Washington, D.C., because they will tell you nobody wants to talk about balancing supply with demand. We're in a free market. Tell them that they're wrong. Tell them that you met the farmers that are pushing for it, and we're a nationwide force, and we're growing stronger. So please join us. Food, wine, and fun. <laughs> but also, we, so our group is based in Greene County in southern Wisconsin. So we are in a very traditional, conventional, industrial ag area. However, if you look at us statewide, women make up 35% of producers in Wisconsin, and that's a 16% increase. And if you look at the fact that Wisconsin leads organics in dairy and livestock, we're second in vegetables only to California, slightly longer growing season. We're part of a broader movement. And when you're part of something bigger than yourself, things start to change. And we Soil Sisters, and we are all Soil Sisters, if we are committed to our land and our agriculture and our rural areas, we do things by changing up the rules and not towtailing to corporate capitalism, but setting up our own systems of collaboration and supporting each other. And when you know you're on a bigger team and you know people have you back and you know other women have you back, you take risks and you show up, and that's what we've been doing. Chris, I was going to ask, what's at stake if we don't have women and men like you out there doing this important work? Well, in Wisconsin, we're losing three dairy farms a day. So I don't really think we have to say anything more than that. But what's at stake is food security. If people can't stay on the land growing food, we're going to have to get our food elsewhere, and then we're going to be at the mercy of other places. Um, I think it's important that we don't exclude anybody from the farming conversation. Some people don't consider me a farmer. I'm only on 20 acres. I have 25 sheep. 
And we know from Soil Sisters that people at every scale are working hard to do the right thing and provide the right thing. And we need to, we need to pull together. That's the Soil Sisters. Uh, I'll say this. Um, in 2005, I, I worked on a book with uh, those guys, Willie Nelson, and we did a 20th anniversary a Farm Aid book. And um, from then till now, the, the women who are getting going on the front lines of, the, of, of this movement, of the agriculture movement and the farming uh, movement, it's very, very impressive. You heard it in these segments. Um, you know, when we started the book, maybe there were bookkeepers and stuff, but they're really, really going to the front line. And you saw it in, at the booths up in Alpine Valley. And so it, it's really, really impressive to see that movement. So um, we're going to come back after the news with a segment. You don't want to miss this. I never, I'm real bad about promoting stuff, but this Tanya Tucker segment is pretty crazy. So you won't want to miss that. That'll be after the news. With Tanya Tucker here after Farm Aid at, uh, at East Troy, Wisconsin. Doing Farm Aid. Yeah, right. How you doing, Tanya? Doing good. You're the best. Good. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so you were at the first one. What do you remember about that in 85? Oh, I remember everything. I mean, yeah. everything. It was, uh, I, they put me on before the cameras rolled, really. Yeah. I don't think they even knew. I don't know if I was even invited. I'm not really <laughs> sure if I was invited. I haven't uh, researched that, but um, I, I was on uh, with Hoyt Exxon's band and Arlo Guthrie, and I went on and did the song I did today, Bidding America Goodbye, because I'd found the song before Farm Aid, uh, in the, the very first Farm Aid in Champaign, Illinois, and I tried and tried and tried to get the record label to release it as a single. You know, back in those days, it was like you had a single yeah. and a single, and then you cut another album you had a single you know it's not I've always wondered about that why 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 it's that way but now every record's a single every every song you do on, on an album as, as my new album while I'm living I've yeah. been finding out because the last album I had out before this was before social media so it's amazing the difference really yeah. really amazing yeah. so I think that uh, uh, now that we've got invited back I, I had to uh uh, you know, I've been off working and doing my, doing my, you know, raising my kids, doing my thing, making, trying to make my head stay above the water, and I, and I could, and I see a, a little closer uh, uh, what, you know, you don't really see something until you really, really see it, and, and um, it, or it's it's in front of you like the homeless or any any kind of thing, uh, whether it's kids that have cancer or you know, oncology for dog uh, for canines. Uh, just all kinds of, and of things that are struggles, and the American farmer has, is struggling. But this struggle is something that is going to affect us all, and because they're so very important to us. And yeah. you know, the state of Wisconsin is, um, you know, what the cheese capital of the world. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we we give uh, 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 France and and uh, Italy a run for their money. You know. Yeah. Yeah. In in Wisconsin, yeah. we, raise, we make a lot of cheese. Oh, listen to me, we <laughs> uh, they make a lot of cheese and uh, milk, and their dairy farmers are so very important. And uh, I just I'm glad to be a part of it. I said I told Willie I said I hope it don't take you another 33 years to invite me back to the next one. Yeah. I said I may not make it if you wait that long. <laughs> so I'm just glad to be here and and, uh, and not just be here, but. Um, I, my wheels are turning about how to how to do something I could that I could make a difference, yeah, you know, yeah. a little bit more than I am, yeah. more a lot more than I am. How many dogs are on the bus? 
Five. And what are their names? I wanted to get. Uh, well, Kona is my golden retriever. Okay. He's eleven, and then there's Tito, who is uh, actually fourteen. He is the matriarch, uh, not the matriarch. What do you call it when the guy's that way? The patriarch. Oh, he's yeah, a patriarch. Yeah, yeah, right. Patriarch. <laughs> yeah. Patriarch. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of learned a new word there, patriarch. <laughs> I don't know how you spell that. Me and Jamie Johnson were talking about officiate. He said this is a French horn officiato, and I went. If you don't know how to spell something, don't say it. And he goes, oh. <laughs> no. So, okay. So, he's a patriarch. And he's 14. Okay. Uh, and then he's a chihuahua. And then there's uh, Ricky Ray, who's Ricky his Ray. son. And he's eight. Uh-huh. He's a chihuahua. A little, little bitty one. And then I have the Stella Quaid. And she's a miniature old English bulldog and Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn, that's a, I was curious, what kind of dog is that? It's the old English bulldog. Oh, it's an old, okay. Right. And uh, that's, you know, of course you know who the name Loretta, is. Yeah, yeah. So your love of animals and stuff, I want to oh, kind no, of... No, 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 that's another thing, that's another plight. Yeah, but I mean, like the cover, the, talk about Redemption Road Rescue, some of the stuff you do with mm. horses, then we'll go into the cover of the album. Okay, um, well, Redemption, Redemption Road Rescue um, is a it's a long story, but I've gotten involved with them, and they're the, in the state of Tennessee. I'm hoping that this will go nationwide, and uh, you know, diff horses are thought of differently. And uh -huh. Like in Texas, they they consider horses equine. In the state of Tennessee, they consider them livestock, but we don't eat them. So why are they considered livestock? Well, there's a there's a tax that everybody gets a break on, and that, that's that's the hang-up. So. Um, when someone starves a horse, they get their hands slapped, and, and, and I'm, I'm not I'm not good with that. I, I think we need to give them a little jail time, and then when they get out, they need to do a little, uh, uh, what, what do you call that, community it's service? Community service, right. To the place that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for them, which is Redemption Road Rescue in the state of Tennessee. That's in Jackson? Yes, it yeah. is. Okay, all right. And it's a really, I went down there, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I've... I'm, I, I've learned too much to, to start talking about things that, uh, that I don't really, really know. And, and, and I mean, if I'm telling you right now, I don't know nothing. That's a, what I'm perfectly sure of. But it's my opinion um, that uh, a lot of things need to be changed. And, uh, you know, no one's going to change them until someone that, uh, from uh, down here, like Venus, we just saw a gal that yeah. was, uh, had a, started a some incredible uh, projects uh, uh, for not for farmers but for actually people in the in the cities having a garden and making a difference that way yeah right and uh, growing some of their own food because I mean I've I, I definitely grew up on a garden uh -huh. but I, I mean I I haven't had one in a long time now if I had to grow my own food there'd be a problem yeah so these people do that for me and I want to make sure that they can keep doing it. So, who shot the album cover with the with the with the horse on it? Oh, the horse! You, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, I didn't yeah. Your I, I wanted to, yeah okay, I'm so sorry. I, yeah. I do that. Sometimes. We can plug, We can talk a little about the record. Oh. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, yeah, this is a picture. It's not quite the picture, but it's close. Uh, that I've been wanting for about 25 years, and I just saw it in my mind. So when I um, got the tequila, we have. Oh, I, I gotta ask you about that too. I have a new tequila. I love tequila. Called Cosa Savaje. We don't. Unfortunately, how many on the bus oh. right now? Is, is that out now? This is crazy. Is uh, yes, okay. and um, but it's um, I um, got involved with that, so I wanted the picture on the bottle to be of me 
in that picture in my mind on, on this black horse in, oh, nice. at the ocean. And my friend who's a stuntman, he's like, my stuntman of the year, I don't have any years. He doubles Ke Costner and Quaid, he doub doubles okay. everybody. He, he, um, I asked him to find me a black horse that was a, a Frisian that would rear up. And I want to take a picture. Because I had that picture in my mind uh -huh. for, the, for so many years and it just matched the picture on the bottle. So we put it on the bottle. And then when the my record label saw the picture, I'd already done my album cover pictures. Yeah. And that's part of it back there. Wow. That's wow. Glenn Campbell's suit. Oh, I, I didn't know I that. Found in my closet. I didn't know that. And uh, but that's David. Uh, what's his last name? Uh, David. Um, um, Cl uh, Clinch. Uh, Cinch. I knew it was something to do with a horse. Uh, David Cinch. And he's like, you know, he's taking Bruce Springsteen, Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah, I know All that those name. phenomenal. Danny Clinch. Yeah. Damn. What did I say? Danny. Danny. Danny Clinch. I said, what did I say? Yeah. What did I say? David. David. Ah, I'm yeah. sorry, yeah. Danny. It's David <laughs> Cinch. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and we did all this. But they saw that picture. And they went, oh, no, 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 no. We want that on the album cover. I didn't make no decisions on this. This is none of my decisions. None of it. Yeah. Don't like that. Don't like this. Don't like that. <laughs> this I, I love. I know you're limited in time, but it's the first record in 17 I'm years. I'm sorry. I'm trying to, you know. It's the first record in 17 years. Um, That's why Red's yeah, on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But I, not like I've been twiddling my thumb. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I, got, I got a couple records right now, almost. I mean, if someone said... We're going to release both those records next week. Well, they'd be done. Yeah, that's yeah. how close they are. What's it been like to work with some of these that's people? Twenty songs. Belinda, some of these people on this record. What's it been like for you? Well, working with Brandy, uh, Brandy, Brandy Jennings, Brandy Carlisle, Brandy Carlisle, Suda Jen, yeah. You know, being Waylon's son, hell, you know, that's it's a kind of full circle. And and I'll tell you the way I would describe that is that High Riding Heroes is a song I did on there, I've had for a long time. It's a David Lynn Jones song, but Waylon, uh, I don't know if you remember it, but Waylon sang the second verse. And I didn't really realize it until after we recorded, but there's Shooter Jennings now playing piano on a song that uh, I'm working singing that his daddy was on. Yeah. And, and I never would ever think I would ever uh, this I know that I know this that I know this to be true. My version's okay, but David Lynn Jones with Waylon is so much better. Oh. I would just tell people yeah. that. Yeah. But I also warn them that David Lynn Jones, if you want to buy a record of his, it'd be, it'd be about four hundred fifty dollars on eBay because <laughs> I done paid one for one like that. But it, you know, the, it's just, it's full circle though. Yeah. You know, what's yeah. the chances of that? Yeah. yeah. Of shooter producing this. And he's the one. He's the one that started all this off. It's his, it's everything's his fault. <laughs> Talk about bring me flowers now. Bring my flowers. Uh, you bring now. My, yeah. Yeah, it's a song idea that I'd had for many years. You know, Harlan Howard always said to me back in the day. He said, "Man, you're a singer or you're a writer trying to get out of a singer's body." Yeah. And it and I think that I've always got a song writing writing a song in my head. But I think I've had that song for. Rodriguez, Johnny Rodriguez, I was with him the other day, and he oh, said, right? "Hell, T, I remember you had that song when we was running around, which I was, I was 14. He was 20, 14, 15. Yeah, he was 20, and I was 14 on our first tour, and he remembers me singing him that idea. Well, I don't know if that's true, you know, <laughs> but I've had it at least 30 years. So, Brandy heard it, and the last day she came in and said, "Let's the band's on break. Let's write that. Let's finish that song you, that you've been." trying to finish forever and so we did it took us about 30 minutes and then we walked into the band came off a break 
me and her went right to the vocal booth, sat there and I read the words and I sang it. And that's what you hear on the record. Yeah. These are great times for you. And I, it's not a, it's, it's a rediscovery. I wouldn't call well, it, you, I know you don't call it a comeback, but it's well, like I people have discovered nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, this discovery stuff, I've already, you know, I, uh, if they're just, just discovering me, I'm so proud and thankful at least at some point some of that money does yeah. you know um but I, it, it's it's a wonderful thing to be um discovered or given the opportunity to do what you do again yeah yeah two more things i'll let you go last time i saw you sing was at the haggard tribute i flew yes, down from we chicago were just talking about that yeah. it came out of my mouth about 10 minutes ago yeah that i know you got a long uh, wow, background with him was, but what was oh, that like yeah. for you oh no that and was, you, you talked to him right before he passed didn't you oh yeah 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 well i was on my way out there yeah uh, and i was supposed to have been there and um there's a couple of reasons I, I didn't go but um it's just as well you know but it worked out fine it not nothing's fine about Mer losing merle haggard no it worked out that's what I, I did what I should have done, you know, and I just didn't like it at the time. But I, uh, I, you know, hell, I wasn't even invited to that thing. I was actually. I was not invited. But, yeah, yeah. So I well, when it came into town, I looked up and I said, "Billboard," and I said, "My name, no." I went, "What? They're doing a tribute to Merle Haggard?" Oh, the, I'm oh not you're even talking about the thing it? in Nashville? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, even, yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, right. Yeah, the yeah. thing in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Merle. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Right. It, and uh, but so we, I weaseled my way in. So finally, thank you. Finally, uh, you weaseled your way in. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you were great. And, but, and then what they did is they, they put me on first. Well, yeah. well, actually, there was Benny Haggard. Yeah, right. Sang a song, that, yeah. and then I was on second, which is where they put me here. <laughs> That's fine. I'm good with that. And uh, 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 so, but I, I, but my difference is that I got to play with the strangers. Yeah. Playing for me, and everybody else had to use the house band. So. I feel like I uh, that was the blessing for me, you know, to be able to to do that. And not only that, but I called Teresa, his widow. Yeah, right. And I said, "What what song do you think Hag would want me doing?" You know, because everybody's probably picked them over by now. And I know them all. Yeah. And so I rattled off a few and she said, "No, no, 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 no." And then I hit on Farmer's Daughter yeah. and she goes, "Oh, that's the one." So that wasn't just and she goes, "That was one. That was probably his favorite song." And so I've got that. Wow. No, you no told way. me at one time years ago. You could close your show and get that. Yeah. You told me one time years ago you were going to do a Haggard tribute. Record. I'm going to. Are you really? Good well, I'm going, to, I'm going to right up to the day I die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, I am I'm going to. I'm getting closer, I think. Yeah. Starting to hone in on it. What was the imprint? Because you have to have it sold before you go in and and and, and do it. Yeah. You know, you got to go have somewhere to take it. Yeah. What was the imprint he made on you, business-wise uh, and artistically? I mean, what did business-wise, yeah. none. Yeah. Okay. But artistically, everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Elvis had a lot to do with it, and uh, you know, and I say that would, uh, you know, uh, that's a big consideration, but Merle would have to be. The one. Yeah. 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 Two more things. Are you got any dates coming around Chicago? Do you know? We can. Mm -hmm. or somebody. Somebody can. I can ask Scott or something. Changeytucker.com. Yeah. All check I it out. I don't, I've never been on there. You but told I'm me sure years ago. Again, maybe when I showed you that article that uh, you were always hanging around the '85 Bears and stuff. You mm -hmm. knew. You knew Danny Hampton and Tommy. Uh, Tommy Thayer. Oh, that's right, Chicago. Yeah, I'm, we're from Chicago. Down. Yeah. <laughs> I used to go there every. Well, every weekend. 
I was date number 57. That was, was that there? Tommy there. Yeah, 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 you were dating him. Oh, you, you, told know, me, you told me eight months. I told you what? You told him, dated him for eight months. Oh, I did tell you that. Yeah. Well, then it was probably true. <laughs> but it's you been see, a long time. So yeah, it's been yeah. longer <laughs> since then. So whatever I told you then is still, still but, it. But you'd come into Chicago a lot then. Eight years. I didn't date him eight years. No, no, eight months. You said. Oh, eight months. Oh, yeah. Eight months. Yeah. Well, that's he went a he he, he went a long time. <laughs> well, I'd say. <laughs> I must have liked him really well. <laughs> and Tom Zack, Mike Tom Zack, and he and he she date he dated one of my friends, and uh, then there was uh, uh, Steve. McNa- Mc, uh, oh, Steve McMichael. He's still McMichael. around. Yeah, he's yes. got a, he's got a little restaurant on oh, Ro- oh, Romeoville. Yeah, yeah. Mongo, ma- Mongo, the man they call Mongo. Oh, I got I got to go. He, I love him. Yeah. And his wife was like Mrs. America or something, yeah. or Mrs. Illinois. Yeah, I don't know if they're still married. But oh, she's uh, pretty though, beautiful. Yeah. Will you tell him I said hello? Yeah, I will. And Ditka. Yeah, oh, Ditka's still him. around. Love him. Yeah, love him. Yeah, I see him on TV from time to time. Yeah. But yeah. But those I, football players, boy, they're a different breed now. Let me tell you. I bought that. You know what I did last night? I went out and bought that. with. I went to Target, and I got the bonus track. You, which is? Where they have Delta Dawn on it, the remix. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay. <laughs> you did that today. Yes, I always do it. Yeah. It yeah. would be like... Uh, I mean, I don't think. Well, maybe a lot of people eat a hot dog without mustard, but I, I can't, I can't fathom it. Yeah, yeah, Can you? Yeah. yeah. No. Have you ever really milked? You said in the press conference about milking a cow. Have you milked a yeah, cow? Yeah, of course yeah. I have. I, mean, you, I wouldn't be saying it hard <laughs> if I hadn't done it. When did you, when'd you I, do I, that? I was guessing at this, but I think it's pretty hard. <laughs> when did you do that? I, mean, I ain't done it long, yeah, but I yeah. mean, maybe a couple minutes or something. <laughs> and that's long enough to know I don't want to do it no more. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I know they got their machines now and all that because my big ranch was was across the street from uh, a dairy uh, ran, uh, farmer. Okay. The Burns boys. And, uh, you know, they had to go in there and like, all them cows are milking them. <laughs> and, um, but it's it's not, it, it don't matter if they got those machines or not. It's still a lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah. You ever watch Dr. Pole? I mean, look how hard he works. Oh, really? Yeah. You're the best. I told him you'd be great. I'm not. <laughs> Stop saying that. Stop saying that. Welcome back. It's Dave Hoekstra on WGN AM 720, and that's Tanya Tucker's big hit, uh, Delta Dawn. Uh, she won the crowd over on that uh, Saturday at, um, at Farm Aid in, in Alpine Valley. Uh, I asked her if she had some gigs coming up. I did find out for our listeners in the St. Louis area. On November 21st, uh, Tanya will be with her band at the River City Casino. And Michael... How about this for a road trip? November 22nd at Joe's Live in Rosemont. Wow. Wow. We can go out there, hang out at Caddyshack, and we can have a, make, a, make a night of it. I've never been to Joe's Live. <laughs> no, actually, good... neither have I. <laughs> I've been to Caddyshack, but, but uh, the Caddyshack place. But uh, just a wonderful woman. You know, I was telling you during the break, um, I've done a lot of interviews over the last 35 years, and I don't know, maybe it was because we got up at 6 in the morning to get up there to Alpine, but I walked in that bus of hers, and I just... I was a little bit back on my heels. I mean, she had all those dogs. She had like six dogs, the English bulldog named Loretta Lynn. I think she said that in the interview. And you can hear it in her voice, the way she sings and talks. She still likes to smoke, you know. So the Ryan and I were talking, the bus was just full full of smoke. And But she's very, no pun intended, very un, unfiltered. You know, I asked her those Bears questions, and she, she was talking about it. You get a lifelong of, of country living and great great songs and hits. I'm sure she has uh, endless stories, endless. And it was great because, you know, um, 
people listen to my show on Saturday night know I you know, I'm a big Haggard fan. So I walk in there and she's got she's got uh, overalls on, but she's got this big orange hag hat on. And you know, in, in both their books, Haggard's a biography, and she wrote an autobiography years ago. They talk about the little um, little affairs and stuff they had, but this is a family show, so <laughs> I, I, I didn't go there. But uh, she lived she did love Haggard so so much and. Um, it was just, it was quite, actually quite a memorable, memorable interview. So, yeah, she, I, by the photo that uh, you posted online, and uh, I think it's going to be on WGNRadio.com too, uh, she looked very different than I thought she was going to look, to be honest. And I'm excited. I do like tequila. I don't drink much hard liquor, but I do like tequila. And again, I, I researched it. I think it comes out, just came out September 20th. She didn't have any on her bus, but Cosa Savade, which translates to wild thing. That's what it means in English. <laughs> and it's got the same uh, thing, like she said, from the cover of a realm where she's riding a horse. The horse is up in the air. So uh, we'll have to try that. And when we find out where that tequila is available, we'll share that with the listeners. But Tanya Tucker, she's a real, you know, I mean, there were some handlers and people. But, you know, it was completely unfiltered, completely honest. She just rolled with the questions. It was, it was quite good. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't really uh, foot her for a tequila drinker. I think more whiskey uh, to go with those those cigs and everything. <laughs> tequila, I love it. Yeah, we'll have to try that. Do you drink tequila? You know what? For Tanya Tucker, I will drink anything. Okay, <laughs> just pour me a glass. <laughs> okay, so um, what we got coming up in the next hour? We want to take uh, we're going to take some calls too. If you have any farm aid or country music, uh, you know, memories or questions. Uh, 312-981-7200. We'll try to fit those in there. That's at 312-981-7200. We're going to, um, we just wandered around in what Ryan called, uh, Ryan Pollock called, just like the sights, scenes, and fans, and smells of, of farm aid. We just wandered around the hill up there, up and down, up and down. It's a very steep hill. And we just found different people. Uh, we're going to begin with uh, Vang Lee, who's a, uh, a Hmong farmer at the Fondi Food Market in Milwaukee. Very interesting story. Patchwork Farms, they're, um, they're from Columbia, Missouri. They were selling pork chops. They're a co-op. Uh, girlfriends and the two women who came up uh, from Florida to Farm Aid. So uh, some interesting people we found there. So tell us about your journey, about how you got into farming and the roots of farming back in Laos, right? Uh, yeah, so... My parents, uh, they uh, um, started farming back in Laos, and uh, my dad fought in the uh, in the uh, secret army war uh, back in Laos. When was that? It was uh, 1970 uh, in the 1970s, and then when the Vietnam War ended, uh, we became refugees and we uh, uh, came came to America in 1980. Where'd you go in America first? So we landed in uh, San Francisco, California, and then I was born in Denver, Colorado. So yeah. I was born in America here. That's why you wear that shirt. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so when I, so I, that's my little background. But the 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 uh, the really the thing that changed me for that wanted me to be a farmer was about six years ago. When my mom called me up, and she, I was in Minnesota, you were living time, in Minnesota, and sh she was uh, asking me if I were willing to come and dig holes for her, and I'll tell her. This was in Wisconsin. She was in Wisconsin yeah. at that time, and I was real hesitant at first because I was like, I didn't go to college to come dig holes, <laughs> and 
she was like, yeah, you know, I'm getting old. I, you know, I'm not as strong as I used to be. I need you to come and dig holes for me. And so from that point, I moved back home and reconnected with the farming lifestyle again. And that was six years ago. And this is my sixth year farming. And I just can't believe I lasted this long. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? Uh, I'm 39 years old. When you say you reconnected with the farming lifestyle, how would you explain that to someone who doesn't know anything about the farming lifestyle? What is it? It's it's a very hard life, very demanding, physically, mentally, emotionally, and you have to overcome all the obstacles. You know, you have to know when what to plant, uh, when to harvest, and you know weeding. Uh, it, it just it has so much. Uh, not just only digging, but it has so much uh, procedures that we have to follow, you know what I mean? What about uh, spiritually and emotionally? Uh, you talk about your mom asking you to come back. What does it do? I mean, we're here we are talking about family farms and stuff. What does it do to connect with your family, the family thread? Uh, when I came back and reconnected with my mom, it also reconnected me with the food, too, as well. Because... When you're so away from home, you don't eat that food, that food that my mom would cook. And so because of that, when you reconnect with your mom again, you also reconnect with the food. Because that food that she would grow and cook for you as a child. And so it reconnects uh, the family together again. It brings the family together. What are some of the things you you can find there? I mean, peas, beans, and so there's things at the market you can't find uh, in other places. Talk about the unique for both of you, uni unique product you offer. So like, we offer like uh, Thai eggplants. Uh, those uh, we call it uh, those green green eggplants and the. A squash uh, uh, plants that you can't find in the store. Ground cherries, sometimes you can't find in the store. So there, there are certain things that you can't find in the store, but you can only find at the market. And, and sometimes people are look for that those type of food because you can't find it, you know. Can you elaborate on that? Like what people, and maybe where it's sourced? I mean, uh, you know. Restaurants buys. I mean, who, who are your customers and how do people absolutely. respond to that? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just to back up a little bit, our nonprofit was started to support Milwaukee's oldest oldest market, uh, the Fondy Farmers Market, Milwaukee's North Side. It's 102 yeah. years old, and it's a very special market. It serves diverse communities from across Milwaukee. So that's the African American neighbors, that's refugees from Laos and Vietnam and Thailand, that's people moving here from the Middle East and Africa and European Americans as well. And so the farmers have been very responsive to the different communities and the food 
traditions that they come to the market to celebrate. Um, so they've been, for instance, when our African-American customers were asking for sweet potatoes, they started growing sweet potatoes. When our African customers started asking if they also had the leaves for the sweet potatoes, they started bringing those to market as well. One August last year, I counted 13 different varieties of eggplant, from the size of a tiny cherry tomato to a big globe Italian eggplant. Um, I've been introduced personally, I've been cooking for 20 years and shopping at farmers markets for the entire time, but I've been introduced to things like bitter melon and how to make it taste good. <laughs> Uh, there are, you know, two dozen types of greens, some of which I don't know the English name for because our farmers don't know the English name for. But, um, you know, I would say we're the market is a very produce forward market and people from communities across Milwaukee come there because they can't find that food anywhere else. Interesting. Have you found, like, um, I know in, in Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul, there's a Hmong, a Hmong community and an Asian community. Have you found that? And I'm, not, I'm not so sure about Milwaukee. I don't know what the demographics are. Uh, I, I think... Uh, a lot of people from back home. Yeah, I think uh, the, the Minnesota community, the Hmong community, is very similar to uh, what, what's happening over here, too. They grow the same uh, the, the type of vegetables as well here, yeah. too. Nothing different. Yeah, Wisconsin is one of the... Wisconsin is one of the largest populations for Hmong Americans yeah. to have settled. So not as much as California or Minnesota, but um, we have, a, I would say, a thriving and very active Hmong American community in Milwaukee. And you find a lot of families that know each other, who vend at uh, the market, who grow at the farm, and who shop there as well. Um, you know, you've got great-grandparents and their little grandkids both growing, working the soil, and then selling at market together. Uh, two more quick things. Uh, what's your most popular item? If somebody wants to find you, and what's, what's your go-to item? Uh, so the most popular items that I sell is uh, probably ground cherries. Yeah, yeah, because they're uh, every year. Uh, I have customers that are always waiting for them. Even, uh, even, uh, even when the market, even the the first market, they're already asking for ground cherries. And it's June, you know. So I, I tell them, you gotta go wait two more months for for those suckers to come out. So yeah. ground cherries are probably the number one uh, seller, and a lot of customers they just love them. Okay, have you sold anything to the Greek freak? <laughs> He's the basketball player from the Bucks. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm going to ask everybody that question. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you get athletes? Well, the Pfizer Forum. The, yeah, right. Know, the new one. Two miles from our farmers market, so we're definitely hoping to draw some of the Bucks players. Yeah, you should market. do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. Uh, I saw you had a Brewers T-shirt on earlier. Right. Are you a Brewers fan? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. uh, I, I actually worked for uh, when it used to be the county uh, stadium. I worked. Oh, did you? The, did you work at county? Yeah, stadium? yeah. I worked for county stadium for. I was a. Uh, I was in the food uh, section. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the old yeah. county stadium. Yeah, the old county That's stadium. Yeah, it was like when I. That was my teenage year. And I worked there for, I think, uh, two summers before. And then after that, they demolished it and built the Miller uh, Stadium. So Were you ever at the Old County Stadium? No. Oh, you know what happened was, this is Bernie the Brewer at the Old County Stadium when they hit a home run. We're going to a vat of beer. 
but I don't think that's politically incorrect at the new place now. Yeah. I don't think he goes into a vat of beer anymore. But yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was, it was cool. It was yeah. neat. Um, last thing, you said uh, no sick days. You work really, really hard. Uh, yes, you know, um, like my mom, like the bees don't take any uh, sick days off, ants don't take any sick days off. So right now. People are, people are taking sick days off and until the end of the season. So uh, they might rest up a little bit, but then they still have to get back out there again and until until the end of the season. So okay. we got to keep on going. All right. Well, thanks, man. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. And uh, that's Van Lee from the uh, Fondy Food Center uh, in Milwaukee. And the website is www.fondymarket.org. Uh, it's year-round. The, the Milwaukee Winter's Farmer's Market is Wisconsin's biggest winter producer-only market, and you'll find him there. I just think the whole immigrant thing with, with uh, farming is really fascinating. And what is your name? Rebecca Morton. And where are you from? Uh, we are from Crystal Lake, Illinois. Crystal Lake. Uh, yes. And what brought you to Farm Aid? Just the whole vibe of like um, supporting um, local farmers. We are very much into that. Um, yeah, and we actually have a lake house right here in East Troy, Wisconsin. So we are very familiar with the area, and we like to support locals whenever we can. Have you been here before, Alpine Valley? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, Who definitely. Um, Jimmy Buffett, Zach Brown, Beyond, Dave Matthews, Fish. Now I stopped you because I heard you sing along with this. Okay. I, I think this should be the national anthem. For, I agree. I do. Yep. Yeah, it really is. It's, like a, it's a good one. This is Jamie Johnson singing. That Absolutely. Right. Yep. Definitely. Really, it stopped me in my feet, in my tracks when I was coming down. It's you don't hear it song. very often. I've never heard it live, to yeah. be honest with really? you. Really? Nope. Yeah. Um, what time did you get here today? We got here probably around like two thirty, three o'clock. And uh, handicapped the day for you as far as talent. You want to see Dave Matthews? Definitely. Really? I have not seen Dave Matthews since 1998 when I was 18 years old. He played on my birthday. So it's he been played at your birthday? On my birthday in 1998 oh, here, at at, here at Alpine Valley. So um, we haven't seen him since then. So Dave Matthews, my husband's a big Willie Nelson fan. Um, John Cougar would be great. He's, we're excited to see him. And what do you do back in Crystal Lake? What do you guys do? Um, I'm a teacher. Oh, really? Good for you. I teach English language learners, and my husband is in the boating boating industry. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, at good. Munson Skid Marine. And so. what's your husband's name? Greg. I don't want to interrupt the rest of the song, but thank you. Okay, thank right. you thank very you. much. A better daughter. Welcome back to our uh, coverage of Farm Aid up in Alpine Valley, East Troy, Wisconsin, on a Saturday uh, from 1230 to 1 tonight. We're going to have Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. They were a big hit at Farm Aid. We have a little backstage interview with Nathaniel. And before the news, we're going to wrap it up with some fans and more advocates, including a Mary Blackman. Her story's interesting. You'll hear it. She left a, a kind of a glamorous career in L.A. and Beverly Hills to come back to the family farm in the Arkansas Delta. To, and she became a fourth generation farmer. Hey, I'm Mary Blackman, and we're at Farm Aid. And where are you from? I'm from Atlanta, and I'm here to celebrate farmers and all the great things that farmers are doing for all of us. And you have a back, you said you're fourth generation farmer? Yeah. Talk I'm about a, that. I'd love to. Thank you. I'm a fourth generation farmer from Arkansas, Louisiana Delta. We farm rice, soybeans, wheat, and corn. And I work with a couple of amazing young farmers. They are terrific. So we're making it happen. And are you in the field? Um... Well, I was in the field for a while. Now I let the young kids do it. 
and I just help with the environmental issues and some of the paperwork because you know there's a lot of that these yeah. days. Yeah. And what are some of the like? What's the season been like for you? Was has there been a lot of rain? What are some of the things well, that have gone on? There has been a lot of rain. You know, um, being in Louisiana, we kind of get the updrift of the rains and the hurricanes that might be coming through. So you never know what's going to happen. And in a moment's notice, you might have to pivot and see what you can bring into the you know into into the safety. But uh, we're making it. We're making it. And what are some of the other issues? Um, now, the, what I. What, I'm no expert in the field, but um, like tariffs and stuff, does that hurt the soybean field? And it really stuff? does. Yeah, it, talk about it, that. It is having an impact on how They're we going are farming. They're other places, right? Well, they are. And so it's been a real struggle. Um, luckily, the government is saying that they're going to help out. So we're really appreciative of that because I don't know how we continue to be able to farm without some assistance. So a lot of people could be in real dire straits. So we do need help for that because tariffs are affecting us. Talk about the history of the farm. What, I would love to. Yeah. Well, it was a timber farm. Um, now, what's four, that? Four generations ago, just trees. Okay. And in the 50s, my grandfather converted it to a rice farm. So um, I actually have a different story, though. When I was growing up, I visited all the time, but I never really grew up on the farm. And I moved on, and I got into media. And I lived all over the country doing media and advertising and living my own life. But then I got a phone call in 2008, and I found out that my uncle was retiring, and he sold his farm that um, you know was a total surprise. So. My brother and I had the farm, and my brother had a baby, lived in a different part of the country. He's like, oh, my God, I can't go over and take over the farm right now. And I was living a whole life in Los Angeles, but I said, you know what? I can't let that family go, that family farm go. So I, I moved back to the south. I took over the farm. I learned how to farm. I had no idea, and I got schooled. Oh, what? <laughs> Yeah, so I had to have a lot of help and a lot of um, eye-opening experiences. And then I realized, you know what? This is amazing. Like, people who do this 24-7 for their livelihood all the time, my God, they deserve to have all the respect in the world. So I learned. I did the best I could. I luckily brought in another family to help me. Now it's the sons who are running it um, pretty much 24-7. And I took a new career path. I started a company because the more I spent time in the fields with farmers, the more I thought, you know, farmers should be stars, just like we made chefs stars. So I started the first lifestyle website for the farm to table movement called Farm Star Living. Farm Star Living. Yeah. It's a lifestyle that celebrates farmers and I showcase farms, um, farm stars, food and food health and fun things that anyone can do wherever they are across the United States in support of their local farms. Wow. Wow. So when did you start that? I started it in January 2013, so it's six and a half years. I'm plugging away, and I'm so excited to be at Farm Aid to rub elbows with people who share the same passions as I do. And, you know, I'm always looking for a chance to hear other people's stories. What were you doing in L.A. When you, before you moved back? Well, um, I actually been in internet media. I started in the mid '90s in New York, working for Wired, and basically I became an internet entrepreneur. And I had my uh, 
previous company was spaaddicts.com. It was because one spa treatment was never enough. <laughs> so I ran that for 10 years in New York and LA until I got the call about the family farm down south. I was like, no way, I cannot let it go. And as hard as it was to leave a life, a career, a business that I'd founded and built up, I had to do it. When you went back and did the family farm, what was, what was the biggest challenge? What was the big toughest thing for you to learn? Oh my God, everything was yeah. the toughest challenge, to be honest with you. Um, one thing though, we were in a kind of like a very rural area and it is, you know, I realized it can be a lonely life and I felt, you know, farmers' hearts, a lot of them, you know, kind of lead isolated lives. They're disconnected from what's happening in, you know, the larger cities and I really wanted to ultimately bridge that gap between the two, uh, hence Farm Star Living, which celebrates them and brings more people into this world. Um, but besides that, it was really just learning about all the things that farmers have to know, like the back of their hands, from financial markets, to weather, to technology, to equipment, to botany, to environmental issues, you name it. Yeah. I mean, farmers rock. And they are getting, uh, we've had some on my radio show, you know, not a lot, but technology, they are developing in that, you know. It's, they really uh, are, and that's fascinating to me, and I know that it's going to continue to evolve and change, but today, you know, the GPS systems, right. um, some of the people through Farmstar Living um, that I am working with, they have technology that helps them protect their plants from freezes. They also, you know tag every single plant and they can tell you that history of how much water it's got and how much you know crop fertilizer whatever it might have needed and they can also go back from that one spot five years before to tell you what's happening on that piece of specific property with that plant <laughs> Wisconsin for Farm Aid. And this is your fifth one? This is the fifth year, yeah. Talk about how you got involved in Farm Aid. Uh, you know, I I can't remember if it was a bit of a fluke at first, um, but we can't help ourselves from coming back, so, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, I, yeah, you know, and since then, I've done a lot of stuff with Willie and Outlaw Fest and all that, and just seemed to be, you know, it's a, it's a family Family organization. It's happy to be a part of it. So. Do you have an uh, agricultural background in your family and stuff? Uh, you're from Missouri. <laughs> yeah, you know, I grew up around a lot of farms, and my parents were caretakers of a, a of a little farm. Um, but we're never really farmers. You know, we had like a big one acre garden, and we're very you know really poor. So that's a lot of my experiences. Just was is that you know just uh, canning and. And having a big garden, you know, so. And what part of Missouri was that? Um, a little place called Herman, Missouri, which is about an hour and a half west of St. Louis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hour and a half west. Now, I know how to get to Springfield, Missouri. Yep. Well, but, uh, this is just I-70. And then I think you get off at, I can't remember what, get off at 19 and head south. So. And what was it like growing up there, especially musically? I know you had a little bit of gospel roots very right. young. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my parents were uh, sort of the um, Jesus movement hippies, so I had a mixture of a lot of 60s and 70s music, and then um, my mom and dad both wrote songs for church. Um, but, it, you know, 
It's n- it wasn't like you know a cool Southern Baptist church is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, music was always on, and it was a big part of our family. So. And did you lose your dad at a young age? Uh, my dad actually passed away in a car accident yeah. on his way to church. Oh, really? Um, I think I was thirteen. I'm trying to remember how many years it is now. So, yeah, <laughs> it was a while. So, yeah. Yeah. So they had to they had to shake you up. Yeah, you know, I mean, we we're already poor. I pretty much quit school and started to, to work. Um, so I only went to school until the seventh grade, and then I just kind of, uh, fortunately, got lucky enough to. Well, this is my job, but I have really, you know, not a lot of options outside of this other than digging holes. So, um, is it still really okay? The noise isn't bad. All right. We're not live, so I can stop. Was music a sanctuary uh, during that time? Uh, yeah. You lost your father? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, um, when he passed away, he had like a, a vinyl, a collection of old records, and going through all of that was, it made me feel like I had some kind of connection to him and his past and, and, and like a story that he left behind, you know? So. Um, and on the new record, talk a little about the new record, and we'll, we'll, we'll drop some of these in. But um, True Boot, I mean, I hear a little bit of a St. Louis blues thing with a New Orleans soul thing. Talk about where all that comes from. Right, right. Which record are we talking about here? Uh, the latest one. Is that off the That's the one they sent me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, well, because I, I have a, a brand new one that's not out. So. Okay. <laughs> but we won't What's talk about that. What's the title of this one? Uh, the, new, the current one. The I don't know. Here. Is it? I actually don't know. It's okay, been a while we'll since I looked it at it. Right. No, no, no. Okay. Do you mean like the new, new one? No, the one that I heard Shrew um, Boot on. I'm going to ask you about Be There and Babe I Know. Yeah, here, let me look it up. I can't remember. <laughs> Cut all this out, you know. They have to buy my own songs from iTunes. <laughs> That's not it. Tearing at the seams. That's what it was. Yeah, right. Tearing at the seams. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a while. Tearing at the seams. <laughs> okay. So the new record, well, it's been out for a bit. Um, we're actually kind of, this tour is kind of wrapping up the end of that record cycle. Um, it was really, um, did a lot of it live in the studio with our good friend Richard Swift, who has passed, since passed away. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, there is some of that New Orleans sound in there. Uh, our buddy Scott Frock played on it, and he was a New Orleans guy, so you um, can hear that in the trumpet. Yeah, so. Oh, just think of the time. All the love so strange. Said you never know. You have a strong following in Chicago. Chicago's always been good to me, even back when I was doing a lot of singer songwriter stuff. Um, you know, whether it. Well, now I'm trying to think, you know, Chuba's has always been great, and yeah, just always really supported there. I made my first record for Rounder Records with Brian Deck at oh, yeah. Engine Studios, which uh-huh. is no longer Engine Studios anymore, but uh, so I, you know, I spent a lot of time in Chicago in the early days, in the beginning of my career, and yeah, I've always loved it. So. Do you have any area dates coming up um, around Chicago we or don't, Milwaukee? Right, or as of right now, no. Um, talk about some of the charity work you do, the social justice stuff you do with, like, Marigold Project, and specifically with Chicago's My Block, My Hood, and My City. Um, yeah, you know, with um, My Block, My Hood, My City, um, I met Jamal at um, at at, at a, a conference, and I really liked what he was doing. Now who's that? Um, he's the one who runs that foundation. Okay. Um, 
and so uh, you know immediately I was like what can we do to help you know um, like can we have something set up at the show to you know get people in your community you know more aware of what you're trying to do for the kids in the city uh, and that you know that's kind of really how we work there's you know it's like I meet people that I'm really interested or you know or in what they're doing or there's something that's really on my heart or that I see that I feel like we need to work on like western water conservation is one that's good. and we've been slowly picking away and trying to connect with people in the West who are already working with those issues. but Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What's that? Water conservation? Can you well, yeah, I mean, there's a, you know, right now we're just in the process. Carrie Knott, who runs our foundation, I give her these kind of ridiculous tasks like, hey, let's fix Western water. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, you know, and like, you know, how much clean water we have, how much is being used for fracking, how much is being used for the cattle industry, like, how, you know, how much of our drinking water is getting eliminated and won't be replenished so and you know like i grew up in the missouri river uh you know in chicago you guys are right on the lake and you know, it floods every year in missouri and it sure does in parts of illinois illinois as well yeah. so you know i think sometimes people in the midwest or you know in other parts don't see you know the same thing we do in the high plains desert you know where you know if we have a drought one year that could take you know years to get you know, back to, you know, luckily with, <laughs> with global warming, we're getting tons of rain now. But yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. When you go to an event like this, like Farm Aid, do you have an opportunity? You've been to five now. Right. To network with people and talk about artists and, and, and advocates. and just uh, We did. One of the ladies who um, opened today's um, panel, uh, not panel, the press conference, we actually connected with her, and she's a dairy farmer. And so we did some shows in Wisconsin, and she was able to come out, and we tried to help out their organization as well. So it's the same, like, you get to meet people uh, in the area, and then, like, I just try to connect with them when we come back and see how we can help, essentially, you know. Um, and that's kind of our, our whole approach. It's not really, we're going to do this to make things better. It's trying to listen to people and find out what needs to be done. And, and let them tell us how we can help them. You know. Welcome back. I want to say nocturnal journal. Welcome back to WGN's Farm Aid Special. Thank you, Michael, for uh, riding along with us. Mike Heidemann producing. And I want to ask you, I know you're a, a huge music guy. Bonnie Raitt was a big, uh, a big, uh, she ran over very well at, 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 uh, at Farm Aid Saturday night. And, you know, she got a little poignant. She did a, um, a version of Skip James' um, Devil Got My Woman on slide and she started talking about she was really tight with stevie ray vaughn and she was referencing uh, that was i think her first time at alpine since uh, the plane crash in august wow. 1990 uh when stevie was leaving alpine valley yeah, that, a helicopter yeah. that is so le that's such a legendary story and i can't believe that it was in 1990 i yeah. thought it was back in like the early 80s that it happened yeah he was he was 35 years old but wow uh, you know, the show was, uh, it was really, really a, a, a solid show. Um, if anybody was there or you have any Farm Aid stories, we have time for a couple calls at 312-981-7200. But uh, I've seen a lot, and it was, it was just it moved along really well. Uh, Mellencamp did all his hits. Bonnie was good. I'd say the big ringer I just heard today, she's coming to space in Evanston, is Yola. Have you heard of Yola? I have not. Well, you know what? I've seen the name in passing, but never have listened to the music. She's like a uh, soul singer from the U.K., and um, I kind of like the 
stuff that uh, Dan Arbach is doing there in Nashville with Easy Eye Sound. It's kind of a country soul thing. My buddy Pat McLaughlin has a couple. He's been on the show. He's got a couple songs on the Yola record, but uh, just uh, a huge, huge like soul country folk vibe but um she she did the title track from her latest record um called walk through fire um that was kind of co-written by dan penn great nashville song um songwriter soul and, and country but she uh i think she really surprised everyone with a great version i'm kind of tired of elton john but she just did her very own version of goodbye yellow brick road so that was one of the highlights of, of the farm aid show for me that's so great yeah she's an english musician she um what used to be in the band uh, the phantom limb mm-hmm. so um yeah that's nothing but great buzz and it's so cool to see you, you don't think of her as a great uh as a country musician when you you can't judge a book by the cover is what i'm saying yeah and farm aid's done a good job of that of, of bending barriers and bringing in you know i was looking at some of the farm aids i've been to in the past i remember you know, Willie started as a, uh, a polka artist, and remember there was one farm aid I went to where he had Jimmy Stir, the polka band and stuff, and it was great, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, I like I like the way they sometimes like like uh, mesh and blend blend barriers. Uh, maybe this will be on the podcast. I don't know, but uh, Jamie Johnson plays a lot of farm aids. I love Jamie Johnson, and Ryan and I were walking up and down the hill and talking to people, and we ran into a woman from Crystal Lake. And she was singing along to the long version. He played the long version of Woody Guthrie's This Land is Your Land. There's a long version, a short version, and the, lo- and the long version has about, you know, trespassing and stuff like that. And I've always said that This Land is Your Land should be the national anthem. But uh, Jamie Johnson was just great. He did a Haggard song and stuff, and uh, he's, he's played a lot of Farm Aids, and I, I, really, I really like him. So it was a really solid show. That's awesome. So it's been... Upbeat. Have you learned something tonight? I've learned a lot. I have learned a lot. I, I didn't know so much about Farm Aid. And oh my gosh, these farmers are so passionate about their dairy. I, it's like Orion Samuelson times 10. Yeah, it Jeez. is. And, you know, I, listening to the whole thing, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we, believe it or not, there's a lot of stuff we didn't get to as people we interviewed. But I said this earlier. I think the role of women in, in, in agriculture is just, it's really, really exploding. It really is. Absolutely, know? and it's great to see that, they, how much they're, they're undertaking it, because it's such an important part of Wisconsin's uh, culture and, and their, their economy. So it's cool to see that people are, are doing a good, positive thing with music and, and dairy farming. Yeah, and you see that, of course, you go to like the farmer's market here in Chicago and you see a female presence. But, I mean, these, these, these are... These farmers are really these female farmers up there in Wisconsin. They got their sleeves up and they're really doing a great job. So it's 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 something that I think Farmaid has just done a, a good job of keeping this in front of people. So everything's been I don't know how much time we got now. I was we were all talking about Alpine Valley. Have you been to Alpine Valley? I have been to Alpine Valley. Mm-hmm. This it, is the only time I'm going to go on a, on a downslope. <laughs> who did you see there? Do you remember? Dave Matthews Band. Oh, okay. Is, uh, who I saw. I think that every single person from the Northwest suburbs needed to see Dave Matthews Band by law uh, at Alpine Valley. And my brother, Adam, actually worked at Alpine Valley for a few years as, a, as security. So. Oh, I didn't know that. We were just talking to Adam Phillips. Really? No, no. Adam, oh, my, I thought, my brother, Adam. Oh, oh His brother, old name Adam. is also Adam. Oh, Adam okay. might have worked there. He's done a lot of concerts himself. Because Adam just told us that they, have, they put a new sound system in Alpine Valley last year, which is 
is a good thing. But um, how long ago did you see Dave Matthews? It had to have been when I was 16, so like uh, four years ago. Just kidding, I'm, I'm much older than that. <laughs> but yeah, I do remember Alpine Valley because the, the main thing that I remember is not only were there undercover cops everywhere, but the parking situation always made everyone so late for school the next day. And it was, it was a big deal, an, an ordeal to get out of there. Um, and now I think that Hollywood Casino, that amphitheater, Tinley Park uh, Amphitheater, has now replaced it as the worst parking in all of Illinois. <laughs> you think so, really? Oh, my gosh. I haven't been horrible. there in a while. But, um, you know, I like Alpine Valley a lot for the history. We, we talked about Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I saw the Stones there when with Living Color as the opening act. Wow. Um, yeah. It was, what it year was, was that? Boy, I'd have to look that up. It was maybe 20 years ago. I kind of lost track of time. Man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it, was, it was a night. Not unlike the nights we've had here. I remember, I think it was kind of rainy and people slipping and sliding down the hill and stuff. Buffett, you know, I've been to a few Buffett shows there. When I was at the Sometimes, we did a whole little video thing where we, the Buffett tailgating at Alpine is legendary. I mean, people from all um, across the Midwest come to tailgate at, at Buffett, and it's almost sometimes just more colorful than the show. But getting out of Alpine Valley is really, really, really difficult. Do you remember what it was like? For, I mean, Ryan and I, and Ryan had to produce Dean Richards on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and we were just sitting there and sitting there, and and they don't have any, they don't really have a lot of people to help you get out. There's not a lot of guidance and a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of traffic cops or, or they might have like um, college students or high school students or part-time. So we were just sitting there, sitting there, and sitting there. I had my camper van, and I just, I saw the grass. I saw a little row way, way beyond the grass. I just floored that camper band, and we got we got to a little bit of a pathway and cut left. And then we saw somebody had a, a health episode. They were they were giving CPR to somebody. Really? Yeah. And I was I told Ryan, because they're probably stressed out by the traffic. <laughs> it's a panic attack. When but, the heck am I going to get out of here? Yeah, right. <laughs> get the defibrillator. But then you're thinking about this place is so packed. There's like, there were more than 30. Uh, the farm aid was saying 30,000 people. Uh, easy 35,000 people there, which is which is good for their fundraising. But all these people leaving at the same time, you wonder how are you going to get an ambulance in there? How are you going to get an ambulance out of there? So I just, you know, I've been to a lot of, maybe it's just the wear and tear of all the shows I've, I've been to, but it's 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 a crazy, it's crazy when the place is that crowded. Yeah, well, it's only, it only holds 37,000 people, it seems like, and it's just, it, the history in each Troy, Wisconsin is, is incredible. I mean, it was built in 1977. Looks like Boz... Skaggs was the uh, inaugural event uh, back in June 30th. And you said you saw Jimmy Buffett there, right? He's he's played there every year since 1995, with the exception of three years. That's wow. incredible. Yeah, because they did um, they did shut it down I think, last summer, and there were rumors that it was never going to come back. But um, I would, and I think I've heard they do this for Buffett. They have that uh, they have a lodge there, and some of my friends who went and saw Buffett. Um, those girls from Florida, maybe they'll be on the podcast. I asked them because we were talking about the history of Alpine Valley, and uh, I go, uh, "Do you guys like Jimmy Buffett?" Because I asked them that because they were from Florida, and they both said no. Yeah, they're big Willie Nelson fans and stuff. <laughs> but um, you know, it's just uh, then you know, I, you know, I was on I was on assignment, so I didn't drink beer. But it's like thirteen seventy five for a beer. I mean, it's crazy. It's really crazy. So. Um, do you have on there when uh, the Stones, can you see, oh, you got to call there, when the Stones might have played there. That was like 20, 15, 20, 20 years ago. Oh, here's, uh, yeah, <laughs> Brian is on the phone with the worst traffic. Brian? 
Yeah, hello. Thanks for calling. Hey, good evening. Great yeah. show. Oh, Man, thank you. You really hit the nail on the head. Uh, my buddy and I, Johnny, were listening to you, and uh, I'll tell you what. The worst traffic cam I ever got messed up with was Woodstock at Max Segura's Farm. You know, um, I mean, there was no place to go. And first of all, I had to get 10 miles down the road to get back to my car, right? I mean, and this is right before I'm going into Vietnam. I got borrowed the old man's car. You know, he made a deal with me not to run to Canada, be a draft dodger. So, and then I got drafted and uh, what have you. And then I went in the military after Woodstock. And that was the worst traffic jam I have ever, ever seen in my life. Well, Brian, have you been to Alpine Valley? Uh, Yes. Who'd you see? Who'd you see there? A couple of times. uh, Do you remember that? I wanted to go to the one with Stevie Ray Vaughan, but, you know, didn't make it there because I got stuck at work. And I had to work later and close down the store I was working at, you know. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, boy, I, I would have loved to have seen that concert, you know. But, uh, well, it is what it is, man, you know. So, uh, But the worst traffic jam, man, was Woodstock. Okay. Man, was it massive. Massive traffic. <laughs> hey Brian, did you did you abandon your car in Woodstock? Because I know that that was very popular at that time. No, I did not. I I, I parked like ten miles away. All right, and uh, at least ten miles. I, I I I can remember walking. It was like taking forever for me and my friends, you know, to get there and uh, to walking into Woodstock uh, to get to Max's farm. And, um, you know, we had tickets and everything, you know, they were six bucks. And, uh, you know, guess what? You know, uh, they just walk right in. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was a wild, crazy, crazy time. But it was very peaceful and very nice, you know. Um, that I will say, and some of the greatest music I've ever heard in my life. Was, I mean, I never heard Richie Havens. And he played for like three hours, you know. To play. Did you freedom. see? Did you see Creedence? I saw Creedence reissued yes. that. Uh, they would, so yes. Brian, yeah. you were up early in the morning. They did like an early morning set or something. That's right. Uh, you start. It started off with uh, Richie Havens, and then uh, 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 then you had. Um, well, of course you had to have uh, Santana. Santana. That was their first first concert that they ever had. You know, I mean, it was just an amazing, amazing show. Mike, yeah. I was excited about Shauna and I. <laughs> <laughs> they were good, too. Yeah. They were there. Yeah, and, they were. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. But, I mean, I'm telling you, that was the biggest, biggest parking, you know, fiasco. Uh, you know, and, and I'm just like I'm telling all the people I'm with, you know, I'm like, well, Come on, let's just stay in the tent and, you know, finish up our beer and wine. And, um, you know, and we could barbecue. We got leftover. We got some more. We had food. And, um, you know, we'll stay here and then we'll go walk in tomorrow. <laughs> let, let everybody get out of here, man. You know, it was that was crazy, crazy traffic. I mean, you could, uh, you, you could walk faster than the cars were moving. Okay. You know? Right? Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks so yeah. much uh, for calling and sharing that memory. Yeah. I'm glad you remember it. <laughs> I do. I'm glad I remember it. I mean, hell, 
you know, I mean, I'm getting up on 70, so, you know, it's uh, getting close. <laughs> well, thanks for, thanks for listening, Brian. Thanks for uh, having a great show. Okay, thank you. So uh, that about wraps it up, huh? What do you think, Mike? That's all she wrote. I That's... really hope that people. <laughs> no, I really hope people learn something. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on out there, and Milwaukee's not that far, and there's stuff you can do here in Chicago. So uh, go to wgnradio.com. We'll have links to stuff. Uh, I, I felt sorry for Ryan. Mm-hmm. He could be my son or grandson. And I was, <laughs> he was a little tuckered out. He's I was ready like... to go for more, more, more. <laughs> I... I'm just glad you didn't get in, in, into any like trouble with those rock stars. Like you never know what Tiny Tucker is going to bring, and he'd be like, "Dad, you'll never guess what David Hoekstra made me do when I had Farm Aid. Yes. Hang out with rock stars all night. That's so. That's that's a that's a legendary uh, memory.